0: Hello everybody and welcome to my video blog and podcast where I'm talking about different topics and aspects related to software development industry from the perspective of different people who involved in the industry one way or another. I'm covering the topics from point of view of software engineers, quality assurance people, business analysts, UI UX professionals, project managers, startup founders business owners and even from time to time from perspective of sales or HR people and if you like this type of content please consider subscribe smash that like button or dislike if you have to and send me your messages on my social media connect with me send me your questions your feedback positive or negative and if you have any ideas of some specific topic that you want me to cover in my next video just send me it on my social media and I will make sure that I will cover it in my next videos and in today's video i'm going to talk about blockchain and as you probably already realized from the name of this video i'm going to cover the blockchain not from a technical software engineer's perspective because Honestly, there are too many already good material on the internet that's covering the topic from a perspective of software engineer. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to cover the topic from a non-technical perspective. And the main reason why I decided to record this video is because many of my friends or non-technical colleagues asking me, like, why... This topic is so important because it looks like everything that has been built with the help of blockchain was already there and they don't realize exactly what is the difference between, let's say, cryptocurrency and just a digital currency that we already have. Or why do we need NFTs if we already have some type of digital certificates, uh, which can prove one way or another your ownership on some digital asset so they don't understand all those features of a blockchain and i can't blame them because when you say to a non-technical person and even to some software engineers who are new to web 3.0 direction that blockchain is a trustless infrastructure it actually doesn't tell you almost anything so what i'm going to do in this video i'm going to provide two different examples of how blockchain potentially could be implemented in a real world scenarios in the something that is uh, right now in the society is a hot topics and I will show how every feature of a blockchain when I'm going to point on every feature of a blockchain I will show how how the same solution for, uh, going from centralized non blockchain way when it adapts blockchain way how this specific feature of a blockchain changes the way how we can interact with the products and how blockchain basically improves all the same products that we already have right now and why do we want to integrate those decentralized solutions in all products that has been already built in the last 10 to 20 years and actually it's not completely correct to say that we want to implement blockchain everywhere because in reality there are many solutions where we won't be able to implement blockchain at least right now in 2021 we're now i'm recording this video because of uh software limitations and hardware limitations and also because some solutions actually it it is a good idea to leave some solutions as a centralized solutions but in some cases decentralization may really help and that's why let me give you those two examples in which i will show you how decentralization and a blockchain will help to improve our capability to solve existing problems so those two examples that i'm going to cover first example is related to the question that most of the people who ever pay their taxes probably ask themselves where do all taxpayers money go so let me give you an example of how government with the help of taxpayers money and with the help of some private corporations or nonprofit organizations trying to solve homeless situation and provide affordable housing affordable housing so we will call it affordable housing problem so what do we know about all our attempts to solve the problem we do know that we spend a lot of money every year from a taxpayers budget trying to solve the issue we do know that we spent many 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 years trying to solve it We do know that unfortunately it doesn't work, and we don't know what we don't know is why exactly it doesn't work. We have our guesses. Some people say that maybe it's not effective, not efficient enough processes, but then logical questions arise why exactly we try to solve it for so many, many years, and we still can't come up with some once and for all, come up with some process that will finally work. Another guess is much worse than that and basically imply on a corruption in the system and say that intermediary people with the people with the power in the system cut the biggest piece of the pie, cut the biggest portions of the budget into their own pocket, and then there's just not enough money left into the system to solve such a complex issue. And while we don't know what exactly causes us to fail again and again and again through the years, maybe both of those reasons, maybe one of them, maybe none of them, and there is something else what we even don't see right now, You, what we know that we have, unfortunately, enormous distrust in the society to all the institutions, from government to corporations to nonprofit organizations who involved into affordable housing solutions. And you can't blame people for that, honestly, because... When you promise to people to solve some issue one year, then you promise it again and again and again and you promise it many years but people actually see that through the years the problem becomes worse and worse, of course you will lose people's trust. And it's completely justifiable, at least from my point of view. And on another hand, we also have to give them benefit of the doubt because the problem is extremely complex and maybe maybe we just, again, just didn't come up with the most efficient process. So how do we fix both of those possible reasons of why we fail? How do we make sure that the process reviewed by everybody and process works at its best? There is no any minor, even slightest possible mistakes in our process. And how do we make sure that there is no any corruption in the system and people trust the system? what if all the institutions decide to share all the information and make it public all the information of which exactly processes they used which materials they purchased, uh, all the information about all the money flow from a taxpayer pockets and to the end goal and Basically, if we could share this type of information and make sure that this information could be corrupted in any possible way, in this case, we would solve both problems. First of all, uh, people would trust that uh, there is no any corruption in the system. And second is uh, anybody from, the world, from all over the world could review the processes and maybe come up with some ideas how it can be improved. For example, propose cheaper materials which uh, and you won't sacrifice quality a lot if you replace one materials with another, or maybe some other type of decisions. Basically, any person in the world, any type of professionals and specialists could come up with ideas how process could be improved and the process would be reviewed by anyone. The problem with this, with everything what I described, is that if corporations and if government can corrupt some of their data and some of their processes right now, then when all this data is stored in some centralized database, it can easily be corrupted It's basically because the same centralized institution would have access to the database so they can change, modify, remove information in the database and make it look the way how they want it to look. But in reality, people can still trust in this information so we have to provide some type of a database in which data can't be corrupted and that's where blockchain comes into the play and the official definition of a blockchain is decentralized ledger but let me simplify it a bit for the sake of this video and just call it a decentralized database which actually means that you and all the participants on a network on a blockchain network have the copy of this database So, if you remember early years of the internet, then some people didn't realize that if you upload some embarrassing photos or videos on the internet, you probably won't be able to get rid of it, because you already downloaded it, me already downloaded it, Uncle Bob already downloaded it, and other millions of people already downloaded it. And if you want to actually get rid of the video, you have to go to each of those people and ask them to get rid of the video to remove it. When it comes to the Internet, you still can be lucky, maybe you uploaded it, then realized that you shouldn't have done it, and now you have time to remove it. If you removed it really fast, you have a hope that nobody saw it yet and nobody have it as a copy on their own machine. When it comes to the blockchain, we have an algorithm that already made sure that everybody, all the participants of the network, as soon as as the information uploaded to the network, every participant already have the copy. So in this case, basically, you can't get rid of all the copies of millions, or the copies on different distributed machines. And even if you corrupt the data and get rid of the data on, let's say, a couple of those machines, even like on 1% of those machines, which actually thousands of people, then you still won't be able to get rid of it on all the machines. It's basically impossible task. And 99% of a machine that communicates between each other with the help of algorithm will realize that no, actually the truth is here. And we still have to have this data and uh, those 1% of the machines actually corrupted. So basically we have this type of the database that can't be corrupted and going back to the our taxpayers, where do all taxpayers' money go? Question: uh, What, how it would look if we implemented blockchain for this aff- affordable housing situation? Uh, when you, as a taxpayer, pays uh, your tax money, then you would be able on a blockchain see how portions of a uh, of your taxpayer payment goes to the different causes. One of those causes go to the solving affordable housing problem, and then you see how later in a chain of events this portion of the money distributed between other participants how some portion of those money go to purchasing some materials some go to salaries of people or for employees of governmental employees or maybe uh, employees in those corporations and which of them goes to the profits of those corporations so basically you do definitely and 100% may, can be sure that the problem solved the most effective way anybody can review it and it can be corrupted. This way, we actually got our uncorruptible database that we wanted to get. And that's what exactly means when people say that a blockchain trustless infrastructure. You don't have to trust somebody who will tell you that this data is correct. You have an infrastructure that makes sure that the data is correct. correct. And can be corrupted in any possible way. Now let me talk about another example of how blockchain could be used and I will use example of a Twitter. We do have right now now, many people arguing on a problem with censorship when it comes to the Twitter. Some people say that we need to censor even more and other people say that we need to censor less and in most cases people even disagree on a type of content that should be censored and that should be not. If we put some information on a blockchain, basically it can be removed, it can be modified, it can be censored because as soon as we posted some tweet, it's already redistributed, redistributed between all the participants of a Twitter. So in the, this case we can solve the problem of a censorship because if people don't want to get rid of the information, they won't be able to do it. On another hand, what if we have actually some terrible terrible tweet about some murder, And something that 99%, maybe 90%, maybe 99% of a Twitter agrees on that it should be removed. And that's when we come to the second feature of a blockchain. And the second essential feature of a blockchain is decentralization and decentralized governance. And it means that instead of small group of shareholders deciding what is acceptable and what is not on a Twitter, the community, users, people who actually use the service will be able to decide what what is acceptable or not, they will be able to vote on a decisions like censorship. So let's say we have some, uh, there are many other questions arise when we talk about this topic. For example, what is the best voting algorithm? Let's say we have a tweet that people are arguing about and 51% of the community says we need to censor it, 49 says we don't. And I personally think in this case 49% is still pretty big group of people, 49% of the whole community and I do think that we do, we can't censor uh, such a group such a big group of people but I'm pretty sure that different people who are watching this video will decide on a different proportions so even as a human beings can't even like unanimously agree on which proportion is correct and even this decision can be voted for so for example should it be 50-50 or 40 to 60 70 to 30 95 to 5. We don't know it. Developers, when they develop the system, they don't know it. And honestly, community even doesn't know it. And only by a long process of trial by fire, of process of making mistakes, we can change it. And I actually also also think because of different situations in the society, like through years maybe we will even change our mind on those proportions. So we should be able to vote on them and not only once but then re-vote again and re-vote and change change how the algorithm works. That's why developers when they develop algorithm try to leave as many as possible configurational points. So we call them configurational points and basically those places where then people later can vote on and decide how exactly this algorithm should work. Now let's go back to our affordable housing problem and let's imagine that after we put it on a blockchain, got rid of a corruption, improved our processes after the brightest minds of the world review it and let's imagine we still couldn't fix the problem just because of how complex the problem is. In this case we may decide and vote again in a decentralized way that we want to increase the funding for this specific issue. It will also increase Um, understanding of a population of how the system works basically you have to take money from one place and put if you want to put it to another so if you want to increase the funding uh, on this issue you have to take it from some other place on another hand let's imagine that we fix the problem after corruption gone in this case it would mean that now we have some chunk of a budget some leftovers that we can spend on another issue that people actually uh, concerned about, and again, in a decentralized way, we can vote where exactly we want to put those money. It also solves the problem that we have right now when we're voting on a huge, enormous bill. And in this bill, we may agree on one specific issue, but we may disagree with some other topics of this bill, other propositions that are introduced by this bill, but we still have to vote on one specific bill. In this case, in case of a blockchain, we can vote on every specific proposition, which again will help to get rid of corrupted politicians and will help to improve the system overall. Third and fourth features of a blockchain are consensus algorithm and open sourceness of a blockchain source code and decentralized app source code. And even if you can find some decentralized apps and Web 3.0 apps that are not open source, you may actually need to ignore them. And let me explain exactly why. Let's start from a consensus algorithm. If you want to give as simple as possible explanation for a consensus algorithm, we can say that consensus algorithm is an algorithm that blockchain use to synchronize all the nodes, all the machines in the blockchain network, and in other words, makes blockchain works. And as I mentioned before, it's highly configurable, so developers uh, interject many different configurable parameters into algorithm. And then users of the system may vote on values of those parameters and decide how the system should work. But no matter how hard you try as a software engineer, you're still going to make a mistakes. And also it's just the nature of a software engineering, you can't configure everything. So some parts of this algorithm still will be hard coded. And maybe because of the mistake or maybe Just because during the first release of the system, it was a good decision. And then, let's say in 10 years, a culture has changed and views of the society has changed. And now we want to modify something in the source code of the algorithm. That's the situation that actually happened with the Twitter. When it only came up, everybody were satisfied with how Twitter worked, but now we have many issues and we start to thinking about how Twitter actually should work now when we already understand how powerful this solution is. Just a couple of days ago, Jack Dorsey announced that he's leaving his position as a CEO of Twitter and he's mentioned that Twitter never achieved, in his opinion, full potential as a platform the way he saw the future of Twitter. That basically, we ended up being in the situation when we have some piece of a code that controlled by a small group of shareholders that completely control all the decision making on a platform, and even Jack Dorsey, having his I don't know three percent of a Twitter, can't don't have any significant say in a decision making platform. So he decides to leave because he understands that it's almost impossible to compete with Twitter nowadays basically you need to rewrite all the code of the Twitter if you want to modify it so even if we as a society know where the bottlenecks of a Twitter it will be we still have to recreate the Twitter from scratch and then rewrite some pieces of the code create competitor then invest a lot of money in the marketing and other things to attract and basically get the portion of user base of a Twitter and make Tweet uh, users from a Twitter leave the platform for this new platform. That's basically extremely difficult and that's like idea of a free market economy basically means that it should be easy for new businesses to enter the market and for new businesses to compete with existing businesses provide better services. In reality, what we have right now, we have almost monopolistic approach of a Twitter in this portion of an industry and it's almost impossible to compete with them. If Twitter was an open-sourced product. Any group of developers potentially could just copy-paste their source code in a matter of a mm, couple of hours or maybe a couple of days and create a competitor with another source code base. Now, many business owners, of course, will be extremely concerned about it. Like, how so? I'm going to work on 5 or maybe 10 hard working every day a week without any weekends, 10 hours a day working on a platform. For five ten years and now i just have to give away all my ip well that's exactly how web 3.0 idea works that's exactly what you do and free market economy is that those businesses who provide the best value they are wins and that's how our society evolves because businesses basically move society forward but where we have those type of monopolistic companies that don't want to evolve don't want to keep up with society's demands they they eventually will die. Now everything what I've just described is, of course, ideal image of a free market economy. And in reality, many people will say that we don't have this in the United States right now. Evidently, big business works together with the go- government, creating different type of regulation that stops small businesses from entering the market and competing with them. That eventually leads to just a couple of big corporations controlling the overall market. and they can, because they don't have enough competitors, they can create whatever conditions for the workers they want. And as a result, we have Amazon workers peeing in a bottle because if they want to stay productive enough, they can't go to a bathroom. Now we identified the problem, but what is the solution for this problem? Web 3.0 enthusiasts and supporters decided that we are going to build open source products. So in case if any of the corporations or organizations or community, no matter how you call it, Uh, if one of them becomes corrupted or just starts to do a bad job over time or maybe there was some mistake made in an initial source code and they don't want to evolve in this case it will be pretty easy to copy paste the code and compete with them let's go back to business owners who actually consort with this idea and don't want to share their ip look if you are a business owner who builds a business just uh, just to extract as much as possible money from your customers and don't care about bringing any value then of course you should be concerned because in this type of environment you are going to die and i'm sorry i don't have any empathy for you in this case but if you're a business who actually tried to bring a value and build some good products cares about a community in this case look if twitter was open sourced product and didn't have any controversies around uh, around censorship question as it has right now in this case people wouldn't just leave to any other product that would say that oh, look we new Twitter people wouldn't have any reason for it it's pretty it's we actually even have evidence to support it it's pretty difficult even right now with all the controversies around the Twitter surrounded it it's even even right now it's difficult to move twe- uh, people from a Twitter to another platform so in case if platform provides a good service and care about its community it would be almost impossible. And that's exactly what Web 3.0 supporters say. If you build a good product, care about your community and support your community, then your community will support you. But as soon as you become a corrupted or start doing a bad job, then we will create a competitor and will outcompete you. Now, since we already started to talk about employees of companies, how does it work in decentralized type of organization? Let's talk about it. And it's a fifth feature of a blockchain, which is incentives for maintainers, developers, and users of the system. In any type of a company, we need people who will develop the company, who will build uh, not only source code, but will do any other type of job. Basically, we need maintainers, we need employers. And in standard centralized type of organization, organizations makes profit one or another way. For example, in a banking system, uh, uh, banks, make profits out of all the deposits that they have, out of transactions that they process. And out of those profits that they make, they hire employees, they pay salaries, and of course they have a huge chunk of profits that goes to the shareholders. In decentralized type of app, we still need employees, We need software engineers to develop the system, improve the system, create bug fixes, for some issues that's going on in the system. We need people who will maintain decentralization of the system, basically will support different servers in different places of the world. And we need in some in different system, we may need many other different type of people who will help to maintain the community. And of course, if we uh, want to look at the system long term, of course, we have to make sure that there will be some incentive because without incentive, as soon as there is not enough enthusiastic people to maintain the system, the system is going to die. But if we actually have an incentive, then that has a future. So what is this incentive in a decentralized type of organization and where we get it from? So when it comes to cryptocurrencies, it's exactly the same as in banking, we charge transaction fees. Also, We have some, in many cryptocurrencies, we have some rate of inflation and we take some part of this inflationary rate to support the system that goes. So basically part of those money goes to so-called treasury in most of cryptocurrencies that's implemented this way. And then we spend some part of this treasury to actually hire employees. And even when we hire somebody, we can do it in a decentralized way where community will be able to vote if they want to hire That or another type of a person or employee or will go to the marketing type of work or maybe in any other type of work that necessary to support the system. But the main difference here that let's say in a banking system, in a centralized environment, by the end of the year, you have a huge chunk of money that goes to the shareholders and in decentralized environment, we don't have shareholders, at least in a classic understanding of this word. We have users of the system, maintainers, we have needs like improvements that needs to be made. So when we have this chunk of profits, we may decide maybe we want to hire additional uh, developers and we may decide it in a decentralized way. Or we may decide that all this chunk of the money may go to the users who actually use the system, users, developers, maintainers to reward them and to incentivize them which actually means that people who use the system becomes the shareholders of the system. And that this system, I don't know, maybe it's like music streaming app, people who actually listen to the music, mu- uh, people who pro- produce the music, artists, they, the people who will benefit from all the profits of the system. And the last point that I want to make when we are talking about the blockchain is decreased costs and faster operations. So decreased cost is possible Uh, As I mentioned before, we have this huge chunk of a profit, right? In some type, uh, in some cases, we want to have those profits and then we redistribute them between all the users of the system. In other cases, in some type of environments, we may decide that we don't want to have all those profits, but instead of that, we will make all our transactions much cheaper. So yes, we won't have those profits, but uh, overall cost of the system will become much cheaper. So it's either better profits for users of the system or cheaper usage of the system, cheaper costs inside of the system, no matter what it is. For example, for music streaming app, it can mean benefits for all the users and artists, or it can mean cheaper monthly subscriptions for users of the system. And when it comes to faster operations, again, because we don't have shareholders, because we don't have all those intermediaries, Uh, Who will share the same profits and because we operate from peer-to-peer Basically one user of the system communicates directly with another user of the system Of course, it means that we have much faster Operations too and that's another advantage of getting rid of an intermediary Instead of having some intermediary who will be slow and will take some portion of a budget of the system we will actually send money directly to the cause. So if we go back to our example of uh, affordable housing, then it means that all the money will go directly to the people who actually will work on the problem. Like for example, construction workers. Okay. So now let me try to sum up all of those features. And by now, by the end of this video, I hope you already understand how it all works. And here is the quick overview. We have the system that can be corrupted. Data in which can be modified, altered or removed. And you can be sure that data is correct. You don't have to trust anybody. You just know the system can not be corrupted. The system where all the processes inside of the system can be reviewed by anybody from all over the world. And they can introduce their ideas, suggestions and different improves of the system. We have the system where users of the system benefit from decisions of the system and vote on the decisions of the system. Basically people will vote on how system should work and they will get all the profits of the system. Or in cases where system built the way that it doesn't bring any profit, it means that system actually cheaper. Like in cryptocurrencies, your transactions as a user, much cheaper. And also people who support to maintain cryptocurrency world, basically people. Uh, who we call miners or stakers they will also get some profits from the system all the transactions in the system much faster and in case just in case if we actually made some mistake or the system were corrupted it's open source so it's pretty easy to copy paste it and create and introduce the competitor and even if we imagine that there are some bad actors into the system who try because of some mistake of how algorithm has been written and they tried to take all the power and all the control of the system and in case if they succeed in it it will be because it's open source it will be pretty easy to create a competitor and the system itself corrupted system will lose all its value so it even doesn't make sense for bad actors try to take all the power and honestly it's just the tip of an iceberg there are many other things that if you like what you've heard you definitely need to learn about like smart contracts or nfts and many other topics related to Web 3.0. And now, as if you already understand how blockchain works, NFTs, it's a basically digital certificates that work on a blockchain FF, and have all the same features as blockchain has. Um, cryptocurrency is a digital currency that works on a blockchain again. Smart contract, it's uh, algorithms that work on a blockchain. So now, when you understand how blockchain works, it will be much easier for you to understand how work all those things like smart contracts, NFTs, or cryptocurrencies. And I'm going to create other videos to talk about them. Those videos probably will be much shorter because all the main information is already in here in this video. And I will attach those videos somewhere here. Smart contracts, NFTs, something like that. Uh, Please check these videos if you like what you've heard here. And please consider subscribe. Send me a message on my social media. Send me your feedback, connect with me, send me your questions and maybe your ideas about what you want me to talk next. Because I'm not only talking about Web 3.0, I I'm also uh, know a lot about web, uh, mobile, apps development, big data, cloud infrastructure and all those things. I know how industry works from point of view of salespeople, HR people, product owners, startup founders. So I have a, actually pretty much many ideas that I want to share. So let me know what exactly you want me to talk about and I will be happy to create my next episode covering exactly the topics that you want me to talk about. Now, everybody have a good day and thank you for watching this video. See you in my next video.